from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Boston. This is the Danny Picard Show, Monday, January 16th, 2017. Today's show presented by Beantown Athletics, your number one source for screen printing and embroidery. From designing to printing, Beantown Athletics does it all. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now and get a free quote for your customized apparel. Today's show is also presented by DraftKings. You can play for free right now at DraftKings.com by using my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C. DraftKings is the destination for one-week fantasy football, even in the playoffs. And now we get set for conference championship weekend. Only two games this Sunday at 3 o'clock and 6.40. But you can still play DraftKings during conference championship weekend. Every week is a brand new season at DraftKings. Just pick your contest, draft your team, and follow the action live. And it's not just football. DraftKings has something for everybody. NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, soccer, golf, NASCAR, MMA, you name it, they have it. Set up a private league, or if you're new to DraftKings, join beginner contests because there are huge prize pools every single day. So don't wait. Start your new season at DraftKings.com right now. And again, use the promo code PICK. That's P-I-C to play for free with your first deposit. DraftKings.com. Welcome to the show as we have wrapped up the divisional round in the National Football League playoffs. We now know the final four. Green Bay at Atlanta. Pittsburgh at New England. I will take a closer look at those matchups Uh On this show, but more so on Friday, later in the week when we make our picks, I I will give an early look on this show, but I do want to begin by looking back at what happened this past weekend in the divisional round games. Um, I will say this, Pete, I won $5 on DraftKings, big winner, 5 bucks. I'll also give you the early look at the prices for some of the positions next week for DraftKings. I did take a look at those. This morning, and I just, there's one matchup that I'm loving. I'll, I'll get to that in just a few minutes. But when you look back at this divisional round, and you see what happened Saturday and then on Sunday, I think the biggest surprise for me was, the biggest surprise for me was the first half of the Patriots-Texans game. Now, I told you yesterday on WEEI, I was on yesterday afternoon, I I gave you the rundown and the breakdown of that game. I wrote a column for NBC Boston. Make sure you read that at NBCBoston.com. So I don't want to get too much back into that. I already gave you, you know, the people that listen to me and and read my stuff and follow me on social media, you know how I feel about this Patriots-Texans game. At halftime, I was sick to my stomach. I had flashbacks of last year's AFC Championship game in Denver with the Patriots spotting the Broncos' field position with turnovers, and that's exactly what happened again in the first half of this game Saturday night at Gillette Stadium, Patriots against the Texans. Now, the good thing for the Patriots was it was at home. You don't want to have a first half like that on the road, and it was weird because this game looked like it was going to be a blowout. Deion Lewis, you know, he returns a kickoff 98 yards for a touchdown, and you're up 14-3. And at that point, you're going, this game is over. Then, Tom Brady throws an interception, leads to a field goal. After that, Deion Lewis, he's going to fumble a kickoff. And and they spot the Texans' field position, and it turns into seven points with a C.J. Fedorowicz touchdown pass from Brock Osweiler. And it's a one-point game, 14-13, the Patriots led at that point. And I was sick to my stomach. And it's just the way it all played out, right? You had that... Penalty by Eric Rowe, in which it was unsportsmanlike conduct. It was a good call based on the rule book. Eric Rowe cannot be doing that. You cannot take another player and pull him out of a pile. I don't care what his intention was, if he was trying to break up a fight or not. Look, I know, in the heat of the moment, while I'm watching that game, I was yelling at the TV. I was yelling at the officials in that moment because I'm going, it's like eight guys down in that scrum, right? I mean, how can you just call a penalty on one guy? But when, when you do sit back, Look at it the next day. All right, even Bill Belichick said, by rule, that's, look, that, that's, a, that's a penalty. That's an unsportsmanlike conduct. And it just so happens that 
you know, the Patriots had made a big stop on that play. That was a third and long after a Logan Ryan sack. Patriots made the stop on third and long. And they would have been getting the ball back with a Houston Texans punt. Instead, that Eric Rowe penalty keeps the play alive, keeps the drive alive, and the Texans go down and they end up getting three points. But uh, you had that penalty, then you had the Brady interception, then you had the Deion Lewis fumble, and it's a f- all of a sudden it looked like it went from a blowout to a 14-13 game, and it looked like it was going to be one of those nights right, where nothing was going to really truly go right for you because, and I'll give credit where credit's due, the Houston Texans defense to that point on Saturday night with the Seattle Seahawks having been eliminated right before that game. The Seahawks were eliminated. Uh, They lost to the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta, 36-20 on Saturday afternoon. So to that point, leading into the Patriots game, the Houston Texans defense was the best remaining opposing defense for the Patriots to face at any point in the playoffs, whatever it was, AFC or in the Super Bowl against an NFC team. The Houston Texans, not just statistically, but even judging by the eye test, you know they have absolute beasts in Jadavian Clowney and even Merciless that can get to the quarterback. Um, They have a secondary that's solid. The Texans, not just statistically, but even using the eye test, they do have one of the best defenses in football. You don't win your division and get to the divisional round of the playoffs and I know their division was no good. They won it at 9-7. and seven. I get that. But you don't even get that far. You, you Seeing how bad Houston's offense was, I mean, they were one of the worst offenses in football. You don't get that far with one of the worst offenses in football unless you have a dominant defense. Houston's defense has always been one of the best in the league. Right? When they get to the playoffs, it's always been because of their defense. Their downfall is their quarterback. So one thing the Patriots had going for them in this game Saturday night was that it was at home. You don't want to have a first half like that on the road. Well, that game could be over. The other thing they had going for them was Brock Osweiler is just not worth a four-year, $72 million contract. I told you at the time that he signed it, uh, I've told I-, I continued to tell you that during the season. Here I am now telling you it again, but you saw it with your own eyes. He's just not. Osweiler is not that guy. He's not that elite quarterback. So if it was an offense that was any good, the result of this game might have been a little bit different based on the way Houston's defense was getting to Tom Brady. And that, to me, as we move on to the AFC Championship, look, the Patriots outscored Houston 17-3 in the second half, and they had the home cooking, and they ended up winning this game, and they got a couple nice turnovers from their defense. The Patriots win it 34-16. They go to the AFC Championship. They're going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers, as I just told you. Pittsburgh beat Kansas City last night. I'll get into that game in just a minute. But here's the deal for the New England Patriots. They do have things to work on. And I think the most important thing that they have to work on, all right, you can't turn the ball over like Deion Lewis did. All right, you can't have a stupid penalty like Eric Rowe did. But I think that Tom Brady's two interceptions in this game, he he threw two picks. He could have easily thrown four or five. He threw some bad balls in the middle of the field, but he did that because he did not feel comfortable in the pocket. Tom Brady was getting lit up all night long. And he was getting lit up right up the middle. Clowney, Merciless, there were times they came up the middle easier than I ever would have expected anyone to bust up the middle against this Patriots offensive line this year that has been so good. You know, I know they've been so good because we haven't been talking about them. But you know what? We're talking about them now because they were bad. And if this Patriots offensive line is going to turn into a puddle at any point, either next weekend or maybe in a couple weeks on February 5th if they make it to the Super Bowl, they're not going to win. They're not going to win. That's the But but if they can't protect Brady, guess what? There isn't one defense left in the playoffs that can stop the Patriots' offense if Tom Brady has time in the pocket. So as we break it all down and react to everything that happened over the divisional weekend, the biggest surprise to me was – the way the Patriots played in the first half of that Houston game on Saturday night. night That's the biggest surprise. Um, they end up winning. They end up covering. In fact, it's the only game that I won with my picks. Picks, picks. I went 
one and three. I, 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 this is the only game I won. But you know what? I can sleep well knowing that the Patriots won and covered. But they do have things to work on. Most importantly, the offensive line. If they can block for Tom Brady, as I now look around at the rest of the postseason and the final four, whether it's Pittsburgh's defense, whether it's Atlanta's defense, or whether it's Green Bay's defense, there is not one defense that is left that is anywhere close to being as good as Houston's defense. It's not. So if you're the Patriots, a couple good things going your way. You got home field. That's a great thing. Um, And also, the two best remaining opposing defenses, Seattle and Houston, are out. And also Kansas City. I think Kansas City's defense is better than Pittsburgh's. And I guess that brings me to that game last night. You know, it got moved from a 1 o'clock start to an 8.20 start in Kansas City because of an ice storm. You know, and they did it to protect the fans, I guess. That place was rocking. It's a tough place to play. But the Steelers end up pulling it out 18-16. to The way this game ended was with Kansas City driving down, converting fourth down conversions. Alex Smith uh, made some very nice plays, and they score a touchdown. But they needed the two-point conversion to tie the game at 18. They ended up, Alex Smith threw it to the back of the end zone and ended up converting it. But there was a penalty on the play. It was holding, right, on their left tackle. And on Kansas City's left tackle, they called the hold. And it moved them back to the, what, the 12-yard line? And they had to do it again. And Travis Kelsey, tight end for the Chiefs, he was up in arms after the game. His quote was, that referee that made that call... He should should never wear the pinstripes again in an NFL game. He said, in fact, he should never even be able to work at Foot Locker. Now, I don't know if that's him being a punk, if that's him having a terrible takedown, or if that's him actually having to deal with Foot Locker. I don't know. Could be any of the three that I just said. Bottom line is this. That's a good hold call. That's a good call by the officials. They did not make a lot of good calls this weekend, but if you're going to rank them, I think that was a good call. In fact, I think that was a good hold. It was a blatant hold. He had his arm wrapped around the guy's neck. He was giving him the Ted DiBiase million-dollar dream by the time Alex Smith threw that football. That was a good call, but I also think it was a good hold because if he didn't hold them, guess what would have happened? Alex Smith would have got crushed, and then they would have had no shot. So at least... He didn't get crushed. The penalty's called, and you get another shot at it. They couldn't convert, and because they couldn't convert, Pittsburgh wins 18-16. to Now, heard a lot of people calling into me yesterday on WEEI saying they do not want to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. This was leading into this game. And what I told you yesterday on WEEI and what I told you on this podcast and what I told you on Uh, Facebook Live, and wherever else you listen to me, or maybe read me on the Boston Metro, or NBC Boston, or on my website, or on social media, you know how I feel about this game. You know how I feel moving forward about the Patriots' chances of getting the Super Bowl. I want to see Pittsburgh. I think this is a better matchup. Tom Brady, in his own building, against this Steelers defense, you look at this game last night. If you looked at the score 18-16 to and you didn't watch the game and you you think Pittsburgh won, and I told you, Pittsburgh, you know about their weapons, but you didn't watch the game. They won 18-16 in Kansas City. And I asked you, who do you think scored the only two touchdowns in this game? You'd say Pittsburgh, right? You'd say Pittsburgh. And maybe they went for two and they couldn't get it or something. Or they went for a couple two-point conversions and they didn't get it and that's why they end up with a, a weird 18 number. No, no, no. Pittsburgh didn't score any touchdowns in this game. Kansas City scored the only two touchdowns in this game. Pittsburgh kicked six field goals. Um, <laughs> they did. They kicked six field goals. Now, the numbers, Le'Veon Bell rushed for 170 yards. He's got that little hesitation that everybody raves about. <sighs> At some point, somebody's going to slow him down just a little bit. Now, would holding Le'Veon Bell to 100 yards be slowing him down? Yeah, if you keep him out of the end zone. Le'Veon Bell, 170 yards last night. Antonio Brown, 108 yards receiving. Zero touchdowns. That's a big number. That's a big stat, okay? And that's sort of what the Patriots defense, what they do. You know, the bend but don't break. You're going to get yards on us, but when it comes time for you 
to get into the end zone or try to get in the end zone and, and get a touchdown, we're not going to let that happen. You want to kick a field goal? Fine. You want to score 18 points in our building? Fine. Against your defense? We'll score 28. Like, that's the way the Patriots are going to win. And I just think in a game against Pittsburgh, the Patriots are, are, are better off. I just think this is a better matchup for the Patriots. People think I'm crazy because of the weapons that Pittsburgh has. But there's a reason why Pittsburgh didn't get into the end zone last night. And that's because Kansas City's defense is very good. It, that that I'm, I'm, Kansas City's defense is better than Pittsburgh's. And the problem with Kansas City, well, they don't have the star power offensively. They don't. They don't have Tom Brady as their quarterback. I like Alex Smith. He's a nice player. Um, I think Kansas City's sneakily better offensively than maybe people want to give him credit for. But you know what? They had opportunities. Kelsey drops the ball wide open over the middle of the field and then gets up and decides to, you know, act like a lunatic and get a, get a penalty. I mean, things like that. People try to compare... Kelsey, the last couple of weeks to, to be in baby Gronk. No, he's not. Gronk would have never dropped some of those balls, okay? Would have never done that. Um, Gronk would have caught those balls and ended up having 125 yards receiving and a couple touchdowns. So, I mean, don't even give me the comparison there. And Kansas City, their offense, while I say it's sneaky good, it is not anywhere close to being as good as the Patriots' offense. So, if Kansas City is good for 16 points, the Patriots' offense, I think, is good for 28-30 on Pittsburgh. And if the Patriots' defense can play the way Kansas City's defense played, which I think they can, and hold Pittsburgh to field goals at Gillette Stadium, they can win this game. Pittsburgh's defense, the Patriots can score on them. And that's why I think Pittsburgh's a better matchup. Because... When it gets back to the one thing the Patriots need to focus on heading into conference championship weekend, in my opinion, it's the offensive line. Figure that out. And and another thing going for the Patriots, though, when they have to figure that out, is Pittsburgh's pass rush is not Houston's pass rush. It's not. Pittsburgh's defense is not anywhere close to Houston's defense. So when you look at the remaining defenses in the playoffs, Pittsburgh's, Green Bay's, and Atlanta's. Any of those defenses scare you? I know they don't scare me. And that's why I am confident sitting here today telling you that the Patriots, you know, there's a reason why they're still the favorite to win the Super Bowl. I mean, I looked at the futures for next year. Patriots are a favorite to win next year's Super Bowl. Cowboys have the second best odds. But, and I'll get to the NFC games in a minute. But the Patriots... You look at the defenses that Tom Brady now has to go up against. And sure, people were tweeting me last night saying, well, Brady didn't look good against Houston. I think you got to give some credit to Houston's defense. They were able to get to the quarterback. They were able to get to Brady. And when you can get to Brady, if there is a blueprint at all as to how you can be competitive against the Patriots, especially in the playoffs, what's the blueprint? What's the thing, the one thing you got to do? you got to make Brady uncomfortable in the pocket. I think Houston did a nice job of that in the first half of that game, really throughout the game. And Brady still was able to lead the team to score 34 points in his own building against one of the best defenses in football. And I'm sorry, when you match it up statistically and even using the eye test, Pittsburgh's defense is nowhere close to what Houston's defense is. It's not. It's not. So... If there is a team that's close to Houston's defense, I think it's Kansas City's. And I think you saw it last night, the fact, sure, they didn't win the game, but, you know, that's because I think they had some missed opportunities offensively. They, they, they scored, Kansas City scored the only two touchdowns in this game, but they didn't hold, you know, they didn't let Pittsburgh score a touchdown, which is big. If the Patriots can do that, if you tell me that Pittsburgh's going to come to Gillette and kick six, even seven field goals, I'll tell you the Patriots win. Okay? I, I Most of us should. And, you know, we can go later this week, we can go a little bit deeper into the Pittsburgh Patriots game from earlier this season. Um, but I, And I know Big Ben didn't play in that game. It was Landry Jones. Roethlisberger was hurt. But I think the one thing that you, you have to look at is that, you know what the Patriots did in that game? 
that's awfully similar to, to what Kansas City did last night. Patriots kept Le'Veon Bell out of the end zone, and they kept Antonio Brown out of the end zone. Did Bell and Brown get there? Did they put up numbers in that game, big numbers? Yeah, they did. But the numbers they didn't put up, six points. Patriots kept those guys out of the end zone. And uh, I get it. Kansas City kept them out of the end zone last night, and they still lost. But if you're then matching up the Patriots with Kansas City and their offenses, it's not close. You'll take the Patriots offense over Kansas City's any day of the week, wouldn't you? If you don't, you're an idiot. If you don't, you're an idiot. So I look at these defenses, and I think the only way the Patriots lose here, either against Pittsburgh on Sunday at 640 at Gillette, or in the Super Bowl on February 5th against either Green Bay or Atlanta, the only way the Patriots lose is if there is a team out there that is going to be in Brady's mug all game long. And if the Patriots can figure out that offensive line issue that they had in the first half on Saturday night, which I think they should be able to do, guess what? No one's beating the Pats. No one's beating the Pats. I'm telling you right now, no one's doing it. Um, so as we get set for conference championship weekend, it's going to be a long week. It's going to be a long week. And, and the, you know, the, the Steelers... They don't have some very bright individuals on that team, okay? And Antonio Brown is one of those guys who isn't very bright, apparently. The the story today here in New England, and really around the football world, is after last night's Pittsburgh win over Kansas City, Mike Tomlin was giving his speech, as most coaches do, and you know what was going on while he's giving the speech? Antonio Brown was recording it all on Facebook Live, but he wasn't recording the speech. He was recording himself while the speech was going on so you could hear the speech. I don't think he recorded that so that you could hear Mike Tomlin's speech because Mike Tomlin in the speech called the Patriots a bunch of assholes. That's what he called them. He said they're a bunch of assholes that, that spotted us. a day, a day. They were spotted a day and a half because they played Saturday and we had to play um, Sunday night. So those Patriots, they're assholes. I don't care that Mike Tomlin calls the Patriots assholes, first of all. If you're going to get worked up about that, you know, you, you, need, you need to find something to do. It's, it's, of, of course he thinks the Patriots are a bunch of assholes. We here in New England think the Pittsburgh Steelers are a bunch of assholes. It's not, that's nothing, okay? That's nothing. That's not the issue here. The issue is, Also, later on in this speech, you can hear one of the leaders on the steel, I don't know, one of the captains, I don't think it was Tomlin, says, hey, let's go this week, keep it cool on social media. (laughs) You can, wow, Antonio Brown is on Facebook Live. That must have been the moment where he went, oh shit. (laughs) Uh, I'm recording this all live. Everybody has saw all this. And it's just stupid. Now, look, is it going to get overplayed? Is, it, is this story going to be exaggerated to the point where people need something to talk about so they'll bring this up and make a big deal out of it? Of course they will. Of course they will. Still, if you're Pittsburgh, you know, the last thing you want to do, you would think, if you had a brain, is give the New England Patriots anything at all to use as bulletin board material. So if you're Antonio Brown and your coach is giving a fight-up speech where he's shitting on the Patriots, don't you think the last thing you should be doing is recording that speech on Facebook Live? The Patriots use bulletin board material better than anybody in the history of sports. Okay? You, you mean to tell me, Belichick... Isn't going to play that for someone? He, may, he might not even have to because the players know. They're on Twitter. They're on Facebook. They all watch SportsCenter. They see what's going on. They see this. You think the Patriots need more bulletin board material than the bulletin board material they already have in the Deflategate Revenge Tour? No, they don't. They don't. They don't need any more. And, you know, the Patriots, they were hot on themselves after this game, after this win against Houston. And you might say, wow, they won 34-16. They won and they covered a 16-point spread. 
why, why are they so hot on themselves? Well, they're so hot on themselves, one, because they always are. That's just the Patriot way. Not too high, not too low. They're always criticizing something. But a lot of times, it's, it's eye-rolling, right? We roll our eyes at it. Like, all right, Brady says they have things to work on. All right, do, how much shit do they actually have to work on? And sometimes they say it. I don't even think they mean it. But Brady, as the leader of the team, knows that he needs to keep everybody on his toes, right? But when they say it after Saturday night's win over Houston, regardless of the outcome and, and how much they covered, they mean it. They do have things to work on. I just told you. And that was an ugly first half. That was a make-you-sick-to-your-stomach first half. At least, to me, it was. So they have things to work on. So they're hot on themselves. Belichick has bulletin board material just with game film of that first half alone. All right? Never mind coming from something in the Pittsburgh locker room. So, I mean... On top of all that with the flake, the Patriots, they don't need any more bulletin board material. Uh, and, and Pittsburgh shouldn't be going out of their way giving it to them. All right? But they did. So you got to smarten up if you're Antonio Brown. Uh, he should be focused on one thing the next week. How can he get into the end zone? Because that's what it's going to come down to. And, um, you know, I, I think maybe one aspect of everything that's going on in this in these playoffs. And, and we'll look at the Final Four now, and you'll say, hey, you got to have a quarterback in this league to win. I get it, and I agree. Brady, Roethlisberger, Rodgers, Matt Ryan, you got to have a QB in this league to win. But you also have to have a defense. And out of those four teams I just mentioned, forget about the eye test. Still, let's, We'll start statistically. Statistically, who is the best defense in football? The New England Patriots. And they do not get enough credit because most of the year it was bend but don't break and people don't like that around here. They don't like seeing the bend but don't break. But guess what? Points allowed per game is a pretty important stat even though you got some people who think they're the shit in this town want to tell you every single afternoon that it's, it's a meaningless stat. It's not a meaningless stat, okay? So... The most overlooked aspect, I think, of the playoffs here moving forward is going to be the Patriots' defense. That people are going to not talk about it as being one of the best in the NFL. And statistically, it is. It is. And they have an AFC championship game in their own building. And they have the Deflategate Revenge Tour. And on top of it all, if they can get back to protecting Tom Brady, holy shit, if they beat Pittsburgh, which I think they will... Did you watch those NFC games? Pete, did you watch the defenses in the NFC? The NFC defenses are so laughable, it's not even funny. It's, I mean, I I tweeted this out last night. I know people love Aaron Rodgers. I can't stand the fucking guy. I hate Aaron Rodgers. There's just something about him. He, he's like this pretty boy prance around. And I know you say Brady's a pretty boy too. Cause he has, you know, all the commercials and, and he's always dressed to the nines and he's married to a supermodel. Okay, fine. Brady's a, Brady's a pretty boy. I, I get it. But isn't there just something else about Aaron Rodgers, Pete? I don't know if you feel this way. There's just something about his, and I can't really put my finger on it, but I hate the guy. I fucking hate the guy. His personality, like he's out there smiling. He's looking at the sideline. He smiles like like shrugging his shoulders in the first half because, you know, they got 14 points quick. Next thing you know, they're up 21, 10. And he's like shrugging his shoulders and smiling to the sideline. Oh, that is, I'd love for someone to go smack that smile off his face. I mean, I got news for you. I got news for all the Aaron Rodgers lovers out there. And there's a lot of them. Aaron Rodgers should have should have ended that game. He's looking at the sidelines, smiling, shrugging his shoulders. He should have ended that game in the first half. Dallas's defense was playing so bad. I was wondering two things: Did they have money on Pittsburgh? One and two. Were they throwing guys out there that used to play offense on defense? Because that's what it looked like. That was the most pathetic defense I've ever seen out of the Dallas Cowboys in this game yesterday. It was embarrassing. 
And Aaron Rodgers had a chance to end the Cowboys in the first half, and he didn't do it. He didn't do it. And I tweeted out. It's what I tweeted out during the game. I tweeted this out at halftime because the score at halftime was 21-13. to Green Bay was up 21-13. I tweeted this out. Tom Brady would have scored 35 points in the first half. He would have thrown five times. If Tom Brady played the Dallas Cowboys defense, that Dallas Cowboys defense, he would score a touchdown on every single possession. He would. He would. He would have scored a touchdown on every single possession. Sometimes. All right, Aaron Rodgers, he's dancing around. He's rolling out of the pocket. He's keeping keeping the play alive. Sometimes I feel like Aaron Rodgers makes things a little more difficult on himself than they have to be. I get that sense. I get that feeling. And okay, he made a great throw at the end of that game. On the sideline of Jared Cook, that's a great catch, by the way. It's a great throw. I'm not knocking a throw. And in fact, I'm not knocking Aaron Rodgers' ability. He is an elite quarterback. He is a guy that is a playmaker, definition of playmaker, Aaron Rodgers in the dictionary. Okay? Playmaker, Aaron Rodgers' face next to that definition. I'm not trying to take anything away from his talent. But there's something else there. There's a reason why Aaron Rodgers at times during the season, you know, made some bad mistakes or why he didn't put teams away that he probably should have. I think he makes things a little bit more difficult on himself and on his offense than they have to be. And, you know, Bill Simmons tweets out. You see this tweet, Pete? Bill Simmons last night when Rodgers rolls out to his left and makes that throw down the left sideline with no time left and they get out of bounds and they kick the game-winning field goal. Bill Simmons tweeted out, Two guys make that throw, Rodgers and Elway. And I said, oh, okay. And I had people tweeting me, oh, come on, Danny. Brady could never make that throw. He would never go to his left. First of all, let's not make it sound like Brady has never been able to make a throw on the run. I get it. He can't run like Rodgers. But let's not make, let's not all of a sudden, while we're pumping up Rodgers and praising Rodgers, let's not make Brady look like Bledsoe. Okay, don't turn Brady into Bledsoe, please. And I'm a Bledsoe guy saying that. Bledsoe couldn't move for shit. Bledsoe, that's a different, Bledsoe's a guy that absolutely couldn't throw on the run. All right, that's Bledsoe, not Brady. Brady's not the most mobile cat in the league. I get it. He's not as mobile as Aaron Rodgers. But let's not go out and start throwing this line out there. Rodgers and Elway are the only two that would make that throw. If you watch that play again, I watched it 20 times. Brady could have, if he was out of the pocket, any quarterback would have had time to crossbody, almost stop and plant their feet and make that throw. And Rodgers did it on the run because he can. I don't think he necessarily, he could have stopped, planted his feet quick and made that. I still think he could have made that throw, planted his feet. Um, But also, that's the play that Green Bay ran. Rodgers roll out of the pocket. I mean, if Brady was the quarterback at that point, I mean, what would be stopping Brady from doing something in the pocket? You see what he does with his feet this season, keeping plays alive. Well, all of a sudden, we're going to forget about that and say, oh, Rodgers and Elway, the only two that can make that throw. What if a quarterback could make a throw and make a play like that while not having to, to roll out? Like, that was the way the play was drawn up. So, that that line was ridiculous, but... My point remains the same. All right, Green Bay won 34-31. Tom Brady would have scored 35 on Dallas in the first half. Green Bay scored 34 in the game. And speaking of Green Bay, their defense, if you're scared of their defense in a potential Super Bowl game, (laughs) they they got to work on some things too. Look, I'm I'm a Dak Prescott guy. I'm an Ezekiel Elliott guy. I think Ezekiel Elliott's the MVP this season. But there were times where, you know, when Prescott led them back into this game late, um, I'm going, you know, is Green did it, does Green Bay want to play defense? And all they kept saying on the <laughs> all they kept saying on the uh on the game, uh, Troy Aikman and and Joe Buck, all they kept saying was, oh, Green Bay's defense getting tired, haven't I? 
Having a what? Play a four-quarter game? Like, what are you talking about? They're getting tired. Of course they're getting... Like, everyone gets tired. Oh, they're getting tired. There's getting tired. And then there's looking like Green Bay's defense looked in that game. I mean, these are pathetic defensive performances that have made things way too easy on opposing offenses and opposing quarterbacks and running backs. And Tom Brady would just... I'm telling you right now. He would carve up these defenses. He, Tom Brady would have scored at least 40-plus yesterday on either of these two defenses, the way they played, for the entire game. Like Green Bay scored 34 on Dallas. Tom Brady scored 34 on Houston, one of the best defenses in football. It's just, if you watch that game and watch those defenses, there's no way you can tell me you're scared of a matchup against Green Bay just because Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback. Come on. You need more than that. And then when you go to Atlanta, well, if there's one thing Atlanta has going for them, it's that they made Wilson run around like a madman. And uh, that's the that's the ability that I told you scares me a little bit when it comes to how a team can beat the Patriots or how a team can be competitive with the Patriots if they can get after the quarterback. I will say this, though. Seattle has had offensive line issues all season long. So how much... You know, how much stock do you want to put into Atlanta's pass rush in that game, even though it looked good um, and looked ferocious? They were in their own building. You know, if Atlanta's playing the Patriots, it's going to be in a neutral site. And, uh, you know, I I just, I think that had more to do with Seattle's offensive line. I mean, credit what credit's due to Atlanta. I did not think Matt Ryan was going to be able to put up 36 on that Seattle defense, but he did. He did. I know they were without Earl Thomas, but I still thought Seattle's defense was one of the best defenses remaining in the tournament. And for Atlanta and Matt Ryan to put up 36 points, they showed her the explosive weapons they had. That's no secret. I just thought Seattle would make that a little bit more of a game. And you know what? It looked like they would. The first drive they had was, I mean, that was surgical. That was, that. I thought Seattle showed up to play right away. And then Wilson's running around. And, uh... Atlanta did a nice job. you got to give Atlanta a lot of credit for that win. That was, I mean, that had to be one of the more convincing wins. I think it was the most convincing win on the weekend. I think Atlanta deserves a lot of credit. And you know what? I'll give it to them. As someone who knocks Matt Ryan an awful lot, someone who thought Matt Ryan was going to shit his pants in the playoffs at some point, and he still could. He still could. Uh, but they have another home game. Now they will host Green Bay. Um... He still could shit his pants, Matt Ryan, but to this point, he hasn't yet. And credit where credit's due. Atlanta deserves a ton of credit for what they were able to do to Seattle. But if you are scared of Atlanta's defense, if you watch that defense all season long and you're scared of them, well, I think you've been watching a different team uh, because I'm not scared of Atlanta's defense either. When you look at it statistically, let's just look at past defense, okay, for the NFC. You have, I mean, going into this game yesterday, Dallas ranked 26th pass defense. Um, Atlanta ranked 28th pass defense. Green Bay, second worst pass defense in the league, allowing 270 yards a game. The only pass defense worst in Green Bay's in the NFL this year, New Orleans. (laughs) And if you watch New Orleans, they were horrible. So I just, as I look around the rest of the playoffs, I'm sorry, I just don't see a defense out there that's going to be capable of slowing down Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. I think it's a little bit more difficult, obviously, on on Pittsburgh because they they will not be in a neutral site. They'll be at Gillette. But when it comes to a neutral site game in the Super Bowl against either Green Bay or Atlanta, and you're asking me who would I rather play, honestly, give me either. Gimme either. Um, you know, there's the aspect of Matt Ryan, me feeling like he'll still feel the pressure at some point and Belichick will put the pressure on him. And I take that matchup, Belichick over Matt Ryan. And then there's the whole Green Bay. All right, I know Aaron Rodgers is great. He's a great quarterback. He's an elite quarterback. And he's won a championship. I get it. But that Green Bay defense, I just gave it the stats. And if you watch the games, <laughs> that, that matches up with the stats is that Green Bay's defense is absolutely horrible. Their pass defense. 
And um, I think Tom Brady would have scored 40-plus on either of those defenses yesterday, Green Bay or Dallas. You know, Dallas is a team. Dallas is going to be something. Dallas is going to be something. And, you know, here's why you shouldn't probably drink and tweet during the games. is because when you drink and tweet, you see the beginning of that game, Dallas-Green Bay yesterday, and you start saying that Dallas should go to Tony Romo. I can't tell you, Pete, I can't tell you how many people I saw on Twitter yesterday was saying in the second quarter, even in the first quarter, saying that Dallas needed to go to Tony Romo. Dak Prescott shut those people up in the second half. And I just don't get it. Like, one, it wasn't Dak Prescott's fault in the first half. Dallas's defense was as laughable as you could be in the NFL. Two... You're talking about who? Who do you want in? Tony Romo? What has Tony Romo ever done? If anything, Tony Romo would have lost that game in the first half yesterday by throwing a couple picks. Like, I don't even get it. That that people throwing out Romo's name was just embarrassing. It was it was really showing how much you had to drink. I, I guess you were drinking for a long time yesterday if you're throwing that out. Because that was that's just a stupid comment. I there was so honestly. Up and down the time, you could have searched it. You could search Romo's name yesterday in the first half, and it was like so many people were saying it, and I just don't get it. I just didn't get it. The only way that makes sense is if alcohol was somehow involved. That's the only way that would make sense. But Dak Prescott shut those people up. I know they didn't win the game, but still, uh, you know, credit what credit's due to Aaron Rodgers and Cook making that big play in the sideline late in the game. I didn't think they were going to go for that. They did. They kicked the field goal. Crosby kicks a couple big 50-plus-yard field goals. Um, and Green Bay's going to the NFC Championship, and they're going to play the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. Dallas, though, I, I think that they have to keep their heads up, hold their heads high, because that's going to be... Look, Dak Prescott showed you some balls yesterday. Showed you balls. Ezekiel Elliott, I thought he should have got the ball a little bit more in the first half, but the second half was his... And um, you saw what kind of a beast he is. And I just think if Dallas can do anything to fix that defense, they're going to be a scary team for a long time. But they need to do something about that D because that Dallas' defense is horrible. They are absolutely horrible. So um, that's what we got with the divisional round. And again, the final four in the NFL is set next Sunday. First game is at 3.05 on Fox. It's the NFC Championship Green Bay at Atlanta. And the Falcons at home are a four-point favorite in this one. Then at 640 on CBS, you got the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to Gillette. Pittsburgh at New England. The Patriots, a six-point favorite at home. Uh, those are those are good, solid, fair lines to begin. I was going to bet maybe the Patriots a four-and-a-half-point favorite, but six seems about right. Uh, so that's the way it's looking. On Friday, I will make my official picks with the spread. Uh, we'll do some DraftKings stuff. But like I told you, I took an early look at some of the DraftKings prices. And I just, my eyes lit up. My eyes lit up when I saw the quarterback prices. Pete, who do you think the most expensive, if you had a guess, did you look? Oh, let me let me ask you this. Have you looked yet? No, at, I, I haven't. You haven't. No. All right. Guess the most expensive Quarterback for conference championship weekend. I would go with uh, Rodgers. You're right. 8,100. Rodgers, the most expensive quarterback, 8,100. You got the second most expensive? You want to take a guess? Ooh, um, Matt Ryan. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Wow, I think you looked. 7,700. No, I, I didn't, dude. I'm, <laughs> I know. I was all over yesterday. Uh, 7,700. Matt Ryan, the second most expensive. <laughs> and, and I think you'll be able to guess the third most expensive. Tom Brady? Tom Brady. You're obviously oh. following me on Twitter because I already tweeted this out. Uh, this morning before the show, Brady, the third most expensive quarterback at $7,100. That is $1,000 less than Aaron Rodgers, who is the most expensive quarterback in the conference championship weekend. Then you got Big Ben at $5,800. That's not a good play, in my opinion. Brady's the best play. Brady's the best bang for your buck. $7,100, the third most expensive quarterback. I think he'll be able to put up at least 30 points at home against Pittsburgh. I just, I just think that's that's the way this thing's going to play out. And um, I think that's a great pick at 7,100. If you take Brady, third most expensive. And then I look at the running backs. 
Le'Veon Bell, see, running back and wide receiver, this is where DraftKings pricing is getting a little nuts because it's 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 pick your it's one or the other. Are you going all in on Pittsburgh's offense? Or are you gonna go on Patriots defense? Because Patriots defense is the most expensive defense at four thousand. And then that's over a thousand more than the second most expensive defense for DraftKings. The second most expensive defense is Pittsburgh at 2300 and Patriots 4000 So uh, where are you going? Because they got Pittsburgh's playmakers, Le'Veon Bell, the most expensive running back, 10300 The next most expensive running back, Devontae Freeman, 7200 With Ty Montgomery, 5600 Deion Lewis, 5300 LeGarrette Blunt, 4,400. I tell you what, LeGarrette Blunt had over 100 yards rushing in their game against Pittsburgh earlier this season. Blunt was kind of a non-factor in the game Saturday night, and I question that. He only had eight carries. Um, People, you know, he missed a couple practices, LeGarrette Blunt, because he was sick. But people saying, oh, they're just using him as a decoy. Well, one, he couldn't have been sick. If you're giving him the ball on third and goal from, what, the two or the three at the end of the first half. I thought they should have given it to him at, on first down or second down. If you're going to give it to him on third down in that spot, on a goal-to-goal situation, how sick could he actually be? If he's that sick, you don't give him a ball, give him the ball in that big of a spot, given how that first half went. So I don't think he was sick. But then he only gets eight carries, so what's the issue? People say, well, Deion Lewis, it was his game. And you know what? It was. As bad as that fumble was, and as much as that fumble looked like it was going to change the game, he made NFL postseason history. Deion Lewis, the first NFL player in postseason history to score three touchdowns three different ways, to score a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown, and a kickoff return for a touchdown in a playoff game. First play in NFL history to do that. Um, so a great night for Deion Lewis. Still, there were times I thought Lewis still could have had that type of night and you still could have worked Blunt in a little bit more. They didn't. And I don't know if that is setting us up for people to overlook Blunt. I mean, I think he's being overlooked here in DraftKings. 4,400. This could be a Blunt game. You know that? This could be LeGarrette Blunt, 125 yards, two touchdowns. It could be. And it's a. I would, you know what? I'd take Lewis at 5,300 and Blunt at 4,400 for this one. I'd go all Patriots. And then wide receiver, Antonio Brown's the most expensive wide out, 8,800. Julio Jones after him at 8,200. Julian Edelman, 7,300. That would be a good play. That would be a good play. Edelman. It's almost like Edelman every week. I got to have him. He had a big game again. They started going to him a lot in the second half. And then tight ends, uh, Jared Cook. Most expensive tight end, 5,100. Martellus Bennett, a little banged up at the end of this game, 3,300. Martellus Bennett. Uh, Jesse James, who at times was just so wide open over the middle against Kansas City, 2,700. But if you have some money to spend on tight end, I mean, 5,100 for Cook. I think that he obviously, Rogers obviously likes going to Cook. Um, That would be a nice play for you. So I think you can get some nice value plays with the Patriots against the defense that, man, I think the Patriots should be able to do some damage against Pittsburgh's D at Gillette on Sunday at 640. I do. And that's just an early look. Not just the DraftKings prices, but also the games. Conference championship weekend. Uh, I will give you a Facebook Live video of some sort on Wednesday. I'm killing it on Facebook Live. Antonio Brown's getting a lot of heat, but your Facebook Live... It's a big thing. And if you listen to Friday's podcast, I did a little video simulcast on Facebook Live with the new tripod that I have, which, by the way, I had to put a sign on it. Pete, I don't know if you saw this. Do not. I have a sign. It says, do not touch. I, I don't know who's coming in here when I'm not here. Um, and it's just so perfect. See, it's one of these tripods that bends. You can like It's real flexible, and, and the arms bend, or the legs. Is that what you, you want to call it? Legs bend. And I just, it's a perfect, it's at a, it's in a perfect spot. You like your settings. You don't like them messed this, with. I don't like the settings messed with. Set with anything. Don't mess with my settings. <laughs> on anything. Okay? Don't mess with my settings on my tripod, on our mixer board. Don't mess with the settings in NHL. 
But PlayStation, like, don't mess with those settings. The height of your chair. The height of the chair. Though sometimes I'm wondering what's going on when it's, like, coming here and it's it's not raised all the way up. Wondering what's going on. Um, anyways, I got the tripod. We're doing some Facebook Live videos. And the Facebook Live video that I did last Wednesday in the parking lot, 4,000 views. 4,000 views, right? They say they can't sell that. I will. (laughs) I will. Uh, I have, and I will. How about that? 4,000. So I'll be back on Facebook Live on Wednesday, and then maybe Friday we'll do another video simulcast on Facebook Live. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, all forms of social media. Uh, I'll wrap it up with this. This is non-football related. I've sort of been ignoring, not ignoring this story on purpose, but I've ignored it because we've had a lot of football talk. I mean, it's playoff football. It's, it's an important time of year for the NFL. So that's what I give most of the attention to. But the last couple days, late last week and over the weekend, there's a story that, you know, I've been following very closely. And Pete, I think you probably have too, because we do some UFC on this show. We do some fighting, some boxing. And I'm interested to see where this Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor situation goes. Interested to see. Because when this thing first trickled out, like when there was the first thought of anyone even entertaining this idea, I I, I told you right away, I said, one, it would be a terrible idea for Mayweather to get into the octagon. Okay? Mayweather cannot get into the octagon. He will get murdered. There will be a death in the octagon. He can't get in. He'll die. McGregor will kill him. Okay? You ever play Mortal Kombat? Finish him? There will be real-life Mortal Kombat in that octagon. You can't do it if you Mayweather. Won't happen. It will not happen. Okay? Then you get into, well, should McGregor get into the ring? And, all right, you're just hitting with, you know, you're punching with gloves boxing gloves. There's no kicking. There's no takedowns to the ground. Um, but you look at, and you look at Mayweather's style. It's like, all right, Mayweather is not going to go try to knock McGregor out. He's going to try to win the point system. He's going to defense, 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 hit you with a couple shots, defense, defense, defense. It's going to be a long drawn out fight. There's going to be a decision and it's not really going to be that exciting. And if you're McGregor, all right, you're going to win some money. But if Mayweather's going to do that, you know, you know, you're not going to win. What does that do for McGregor? McGregor's not going to get into the ring and beat Mayweather, right, Pete? Like I, like, I don't like Mayweather. I don't think his style is exciting. I'm not, I don't really go out of my way to watch him fight because of that style. There have been many Mayweather fights that I just chose not to watch because you knew what was going to happen. You can predict it. You can play it out in your head. Defense, 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 points, 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 defense, 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 decision, Mayweather, winner, undefeated. Well, 49 and all. You know he's got a big fight coming. You know he's going to come out of retirement. But McGregor's an animal. In the octagon, he would kill him. But do we really think, as much as I hate Mayweather, do people really think that McGregor would be able to beat Mayweather in a boxing match? Pete, what do you think? You think McGregor would be able to beat Mayweather in the ring? Wouldn't happen. Yeah, I don't think so. I, no. But I think it would be a lot of like Mayweather running around in the ring. And yeah, shit. but Exactly. And he'd win. But I could picture, like, McGregor McGreg- snapping and just, like, att- attacking him, no. pinning him, pinning him in the corner, just not letting him out. That, so, you all right, all I, right. I would, I would oh, love so to you're, see Wait a minute, wait a minute. I would love to. No, so, I, I could, I, all right, if they straight up box, I don't think you could beat him, right? But if they really got into the ring and you let McGregor just be McGregor, he's going to do something crazy. What, kick him? He's going to, like, <laughs> like, by accident, he could. I, okay, I could so see that happening. Like, because he's so, so used to that. That is a different... <laughs> <laughs> that's a different viewpoint as to why you want to see this fight or why you think it would be a good idea. You're not, you're, you don't, you don't think that this would be a boxing match the whole time. You would want to watch this fight and think it would be a good idea for McGregor because you are going to be rooting for chaos. Chaos, pure chaos. You think yeah. chaos will ensue. Entertainment, oh yeah. And then the entertainment will then come. Then you get Vince calling That's a different story. That's different. <laughs> if you it. tell me that McGregor is gonna hit him with an elbow, because I couldn't take that as a serious. Boxing if he's gonna match, headbutt you know him I mean? and then maybe 
you know, if he's going to kick him in the chest, if he's going to come up with a, 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 what if he, that's just instinct, dude. Like what if he does one of those spin around kicks out of nowhere and kicks him in the head, <laughs> the heel kick. Then what will happen? <laughs> Chaos will ensue. I love it. Guys will be running in the ring. McGregor will get jumped. Then his guys will jump the other guys. And there will be a huge fight in the ring. Then what happens? I don't know. I love it, though. Then what happens? Bring it on. Dana White. Listen to this. Dana White made an offer. Okay? Here is Dana White's offer to the two. And it's not to get into the octagon. Dana White went on Colin Coward on, on Fox is it Fox Sports Radio? Do they have their own radio? I know it's on TV. Is he on Fox Sports Radio? Whatever he's on. Uh, Colin Coward had Dana White. And Dana White, on his show, basically said, look, I'm the only guy that can make this happen because McGregor is under an exclusive contract with the UFC. Okay? So if it's going to happen, I have to let it happen. So what Dana White is saying, it's like, all right, we understand Mayweather's not going to get into the octagon. That would be just terrible for his health. Um, so what's going to happen is we'll let McGregor get into the ring, but it's going to be on my terms and my money. So Dana White, here's what he said, quote, I'll tell you what, Floyd, here's a real offer. I'm the only guy that can actually make the offer and I'm actually making a real offer. We'll pay you 25 million. We'll pay Connor 25 million. And then we'll talk about pay-per-view at a certain number. There's a real offer End quote. Now, if you previously heard Mayweather's offer, he said, I'll do the fight, but I'm getting 100 mil. <laughs> okay? And, and, and you know, his argument is, how much has Mayweather ever made? Excuse me, his argument is, how much has McGregor ever made? Like, what's the most McGregor's made? Three mil? I think the last purse, I think he took on like seven because of oh, pay- was. pay-per-view. But, but, but it went undisclosed, fight, right? It was, the, it was undisclosed. Yeah, number. the fight was like 3.5. That's what he yeah. made. Yeah. Uh, and then Rousey made three mil. Mm-hmm. So those are like, the, that's the, those are the numbers. You know, Mayweather's argument is, you know, I make seven mil in my sleep. Like, I want 100 mil. And he said he would pay McGregor a 15 million base purse to meet him in the ring. Um... And then when he heard Dana White, when Mayweather heard Dana White's offer, $25 million for each, and then they'll talk about the pay-per-view numbers. <laughs> you know what Mayweather said? He said, quote, he's a fucking comedian. <laughs> Talking about Dana White. <laughs> he called him a fucking comedian. And uh, so they're not close. I don't think this is ever going to happen. And Pete, you bring a new little wrinkle into it you want to see this happen you think it's the right idea because you think it could turn into pure chaos and mcgregor breaking the rules in the ring um i would watch that for pure entertainment if you could guarantee me that would happen but i don't know that you could guarantee me that would happen and if that doesn't happen you know what's going to happen mayweather's going to run around he's going to play defense he's going to win the point battle and it's going to be kind of a dud and they're going to give it to mayweather by decision and then you know what's going to happen? There's going to be controversy with the decision. They're going to do it again. Then they might give one to McGregor for a trilogy. Right? I mean, that's what's going to happen. It, it just... I, I just don't see it as being this extremely entertaining event, but I also don't see it as being anything good for McGregor and, and, and the fight status that he has. Because I don't think he's going to beat Mayweather in the ring. So I don't, I don't even think it's good for him. Stay in the octagon. Let Mayweather run his mouth. Um, we know that he'll never step into the octagon. He shouldn't. And I think where this thing stands right now, if I had to put money on whether or not this fight happens in the ring, I'd say no, it doesn't happen. And if I'm McGregor, by the way, McGregor is taking time off right now, expecting the birth of his first child. So that's why maybe you haven't seen him at all or heard of anything with him um, McGregor in the octagon but the octagon is where he belongs and the octagon is where he should stay and that is that so so my thoughts those are my thoughts on the latest Mayweather McGregor situation It'll, they'll keep they'll keep stirring it up they'll throw offers back and forth I just I'm sorry I don't see it. Do, Pete do you actually think it's going to happen as much as you want to see as chaos, much as I want to see it no I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen either if it does, then you know what? We'll react to it, and I'll break it all down. 
I'm here every Monday and Friday releasing new podcasts for you. You can listen whenever you want. DannyPicard.com. Also subscribe to the Danny Picard Show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere. Podcasts are available. I'll be on Facebook Live video Wednesday afternoon. Make sure you follow me on Facebook. Facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. Also on Twitter, at Danny Picard. All forms of social media. I am out. Talk to you soon.